Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Hey, it's great to see you guys. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church. Welcome to our online campus. Always great to have you guys. And if you're joining us for the first time, either online or in person, my name is Scott, and you have joined us, I think, at a great time because today we're kicking off a brand new series called Why Am I Here? And everybody wants to know the answer to that question. Why am I here? You know, what's my purpose? What should I be doing with my life? Am I doing the right thing with my life? You know, once we discover why we're here, what our purpose is, then we want to live it, right? We want to live that out. There is nothing better than figuring out in life why God created us and then actually doing that. So I think this is going to be a really great series because we're, we're going to truly try to answer some of life's most profound questions. And everybody has this question. doesn't matter where you're at in life, what age and stage of life you are, it doesn't matter where you've been or what direction that you're heading in, everybody wants to know why in the world am I here? And it's going to help us to move forward because a lot of times we get stuck in life, you know, trying to figure out what's the next step. What should I be doing? What does God want me to do? You know, or we think we don't hear clearly from God. But once we figure it out, once we can figure out our purpose and what we should be doing and why we're here, there's nothing more fulfilling. There's nothing more peaceful in life once we get all of that nailed down. And I want to assure you it's never too late. Doesn't matter where you're at on the faith journey. Uh, doesn't matter how old you are. Doesn't matter how long you've been following Christ. Uh, doesn't matter, again, your past, your present. It's never too late to answer some of these questions. And the truth is, I don't know what's happened in your life. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what's backfired in, in your life. You don't know, you know, the things in my life or that have backfired in my life. But what I know is those things are in the past right? Those things are already done. They're, they're completed, and we can't go back and continue to relive those things, even if we haven't done anything that God wants us to do. This is about moving forward, right? This is about looking at it in the present and looking at it in the future and doing exactly what God wants us to do. So the way we're going to start off is I want to go back into the Old Testament, and I want to look at uh, one of the best, if not the best king in all of Israel, and the guy's name was Hezekiah. And I want to look at 2 Kings chapter 18, verses 5 through 7. And the scripture says this, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings in Judea or Judah, either before or after his time. He remained faithful to the Lord in everything. And he carefully obeyed all the commands the Lord had given Moses. So the Lord was with him, and Hezekiah was successful in everything he did. And this is after the nation of Israel split into two, and there was Israel, and there was Judah. And so Hezekiah is, is leading things, and, and he's doing great. The Scripture says, you know, he was successful in everything he did. Now, can you imagine if God said that about you? 
that you were successful in everything that you did? Why was he successful? Because he remained with the Lord and he figured it out, right? He figured out why he was here and then he did it. Now, here's what's amazing about this story is, uh, you know, Hezekiah's just plugging along, doing great things, following the Lord, doing the Lord's will, and then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, he gets sick. He becomes terminally ill, and it comes out of nowhere. Isn't that the way it always happens? It's just out of nowhere, and so it's recorded in the book of Isaiah, and God goes to Hezekiah through the prophet Isaiah, and he says, your time's up. Time to get up from the table, time to put the cards down, cash your chips in. You are going home with me. God's telling him your life is getting ready to end. And here's what we read in the book of Isaiah, how Hezekiah responds to this news. Isaiah 38, verses 1 through 5. About that time, Hezekiah became deathly ill. And the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz, went to visit him. He gave the king this message. This is what the Lord says. Set your affairs in order, for you're going to die. You will not recover from this illness. And when Hezekiah heard this, he turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. Remember, O Lord, how I've always been faithful to you and how I've served you single-mindedly, always doing what pleases you. Then he broke down and wept bitterly. Then this message came to Isaiah from the Lord. Go back to Hezekiah and tell him, this is what the Lord, the God of your ancestor David says, I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will add 15 years to your life. Now, can you imagine kind of bargaining with God for, for more time. And Hezekiah's defense was the way he had lived. You know, he says, hey, God, I've done what's right. I've, I've been faithful to you. I followed you. So let me ask you a question. If we were to go to God, and if we were to argue with God based on this same defense that Hezekiah used, hey, God, you know, I've lived the way you've wanted me to live. I've done what you've asked me to do, what would God say? What would God say if he looked at the past 15 years or reviewed the past 15 years of your life or my life? You know, would he say, you know, all right, I'm going to give you 15 more? Or would he say, hey, Scott, you better be glad you got the 15 years that you already got? But that verse is pretty eye-opening to me. And I think a question that that all of us can ask is, you know, am I willing to use the rest of my life to do what God wants to do in and through me? In other words, am I willing to live the rest of my life for God? No matter how long it is, no matter how short it is, am I willing to figure out why I'm here and discover the purpose God created me for and then actually live it out? That's a question we got to ask. And if the answer is yes, we got to understand a few things about God. What's at the heart of God? Because everything we do while we're here, our purpose is going to center around these 
these things that God desires. And the first thing God desires is for everybody to know him, right? He wants everybody to have a relationship with him through his son, Jesus. That's why he sent Jesus. Jesus reconciles us to God. And so he wants a relationship with everybody through Christ. He desires for everybody to come to that conclusion that Jesus is the Savior in the only way. But the other thing we need to know is God's not going to force his will on our life, right? He gives us free choice. We have the ability to make decisions, so he's not going to force his way into our lives, but his heart is that everyone knows him. 1 Timothy 2, 3 through 4 says this, this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. In other words, everybody come to know who Christ is. And something else we need to understand about God is he wants to be the center of our life. The scripture says that we are to seek God's kingdom first. We're to seek God's kingdom above anything else. We're to love God with every ounce of our being. Most of us know that. Uh, And we get that from the great commandment. You know, Jesus was asked one day, what's the most important thing? And this is what he answered. Matthew 22, 37 through 40. Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So what does that mean? What does that mean to to love God with everything? And what it means is that he's first place in our life. He is the center of our life, the most important thing in our life. And if we were all, you know, honest with ourselves today, God's probably not always the center of our life. He, he's, a, he's a slice of our life or a portion of our life, right? You know, we've got, we kind of compartmentalize things. We've got the relationship portion, you know, whether it's a marriage or dating relationship or friends. We've got the relationship portion, got the work portion or the school portion, got the financial portion, the sports portion, the social portion, and then we've got the God portion. But here's what God desires. Learning number one, God doesn't want to be a piece of our life. He wants to be the center. That's the first thing we need to understand, and it's actually one of the purposes he has for our lives, and we call this purpose worship. God wants us to worship him with every ounce of our being, with everything we are. See, we're here because God made us. He made us for himself, and he wants us to be in a relationship with him. In other words, he wants us to be part of his family, right? But he wants to be the center of our life. When Jesus was cornered and asked that, you know, what's the most important commandment? He didn't say, you know, the most important things is for you to do things for me. He didn't say the most important thing is for you to follow the rituals or to obey the rules and regulations. No, he said, love me with everything that you have. Learn to love me and allow me to love you back. So the most important thing we can do with our life is to love God. That's pretty easy, right? That kind of takes the pressure off of us. Learn to love him and allow him 
to love us back. Whenever we focus on God, one thing that happens, and all kinds of things happen in our life, but one thing that happens is our problems get smaller, right? I heard somebody say one time, if you've got really small problems in your life, then you've got a really big God, right? But on the other hand, a lot of times if we have these really big issues and really big problems in our life, we've got a very small God. God's taking a back seat, and he isn't a center of our life. He's a piece of our life. And I think a a great question we can ask, you know, how do we know if God is, is the center of my life is look at your level of worry and anxiety in life. If you've got this huge level of worry and anxiety, then that's probably become the center of your life and God's kind of moved to the side. Because of what Jesus said to the Apostle Paul, Philippians 4, 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. When God's the center, when he's the most important thing, we're going to be at peace. It's going to be a peace we don't understand, but when we've got all these things going on in our life, he's probably not the focal point. So think about this. If God was to give you 15 more years, how would you use it? Would you center that 15 years of your life on him? Or would you center that 15 years on something else? Right? Because we have the choice. We have free will. You know, would you center that 15 years on your career or on your spouse? Would you center that 15 years on your golf game? You know, for me, it would take a lot more than 15 years to improve my golf game. I don't know about you. But what would you center it on? Would you center it on... You, you know, finances and, and accumulation or, or fitness, what would you spend that 15 years on? Let's look at something else. So that's the first purpose God has for our life. That's why we're here. That's, that's one of the things he wants us to do is to love him with everything that we have. Make him the focal point of our life. It's not that we can't have the rest of our life going on, but he's always the focal point. He's the go-to anytime we have problems and difficulties, we follow his guidance. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, and let us not neglect our meeting together, as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. Now, this is where we're going to find the next purpose that God has for us. We were not created to live life in isolation. I had lunch with a guy I went to high school with and his son a couple weeks ago, and we got talking about this and how COVID in that whole period of time really messed people up because we were in isolation for so long, and that's not how God designed us. We were meant to be in relationships with other people. We saw several weeks ago, you know, after God created Adam, he said it's not good for him to be alone, and he created Eve, but there's a desire in all of us to be a part of something, to be connected to others, to belong to others, to, to be bigger than, you know, something just of ourselves. We want to be involved in something bigger. So the second purpose, learning number two, God wants us to connect with others. So not only does he want us to worship him with everything, he wants us to be connected in life. 
And this goes way beyond just talking about, you know, coming to church or, you know, attending church. It's about connecting in real life relationships with other people. We can do that outside of church. We can do that within the church. We can do that uh, in both. And obviously in the church, a great way, I think, to connect is our groups that we offer three times a year, also uh, the ministries. But if you look at the biblical model, if you look at the, the church in Acts, and after all these followers of Christ started, give, or all these people started giving their lives to Christ and started following Christ, th- there was kind of this pattern that we can see. But one of the first things they did was connect. Look at Acts 2.46. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. Now, that's kind of the model we follow here. We do that. Our Sunday morning, what we're doing now, you know, whether we connect online or in person or, or a mixture of those two, this is like the temple courts, right? This is that large group worship. But then it says they met house to house. That's what we do in the context of our groups. It's a biblical model, but it's about people in the body of Christ connecting with each other. But something happened prior to this in the book of Acts, and I want to kind of reverse and go back and look at Acts 2.41. It says this, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about 3,000 in all. Now, notice the order God gives here. The first step is to believe. Those who believed, what does that mean? It means they repented of their sins, they trusted what Christ did for them, paying for their sins, and made Jesus Lord of their life. In other words, they hit that first purpose to worship. They centered their life around Christ. But then after that, it says they were baptized. That's when they were brought into the fellowship with other believers. So, Maybe you're here or watching from home, and if, and if you've never put your trust in Christ, that's the first step. That's the first step before anything starts in our life. We have to trust Christ as Lord and Savior. And then the next step is to be baptized. That is connecting. That is fellowship, in other words, in the church. And I'm not just talking about the local church. I'm talking about the universal church. Sure, God wants us, no matter where we live, where we go, He wants us to connect with a local church, but this is talking about being brought into the fellowship or connecting with all believers everywhere. So what is baptism? Baptism is our profession of faith, right? It's it's when we tell the world, I'm a follower of Christ. And the cool thing about baptism is it symbolizes what we're going to celebrate on Easter Sunday It symbolizes the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, right? Jesus was buried in the ground for three days, and then he rose from the dead. So when we celebrate baptism, we take a person, we put them under the water, right? That's symbolic of them dying to their old way of life without Christ. Then we leave them under the water for three days, And if they survive, they get to join the church and connect with the church. Isn't that a great plan? I'm kidding. 
But that's what it symbolizes. I'm dying. I'm going under the water. I'm dying to my old way of life without Jesus, and I'm being raised out of the water into a new life with Jesus. That's what that symbolizes. Some of you are scared of baptism, and no wonder after what I just said. But, you know, I could, I could give you the name of hundreds of people who have been baptized here, and they would tell you it's the easiest thing I've ever done. And they would tell you it's the second most important faith step I've ever taken other than inviting Jesus into my life. That was number one. And that is the, that's the process that we find right here in the Scripture. And if you've never been baptized, let me encourage you. Our next baptism is April, April the 7th, the Sunday after Easter. We have Celebration Sunday where we'll do uh, baptism, we'll do child dedication, we'll do communion. Uh, you can sign up to be baptized on the Church Center app or the top three this morning. It's out there. But it's our next step. But that's how we connect with local believers and believers everywhere because the Scripture says they were added to the church. And that's, again, the universal church. Let's keep reading. Acts 2.42, it says, all the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. That's what they did next. Well, what's the apostles' teaching? That's Jesus' words, God's words, right? That's the Scripture that we have today. The apostles, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, wrote the New Testament. And so they were studying God's Word, right? That's what we do on Sundays. We, we study the Bible. We learn the Bible. We learn how to apply it to our life. That's what we do in a lot of our groups. Again, that's our next step. That's one of the purposes God has for us is to grow after we've connected. And listen, Sunday's, Sunday's great for us. It, it keeps us on track. It refreshes us. You know, maybe it gets us a little bit better prepared to take on the week. Uh, how you connect is not important, whether it's online or in person. It's just important that we connect. But then those groups are good too because a lot of our groups, they study the Bible. But that's the next desire God has for our life. Once we've connected to the body, once we've placed Him as center of our life, He wants us to grow in our faith. He, in other words, He wants us to become spiritually mature. That's not going to happen overnight. It's a process. Hebrews 6.1 says, so let us stop going over the basic teachings about Christ again and again. Let us go on instead and become mature in our understanding. So God's vision for us is that we grow in our faith while we're here on this earth. And, and that's going to be one of the weeks. We're going to take just one week of this series, and we're going to look specifically is how do we grow in our relationship with Jesus? Practically, what does that look like? And God will use all kinds of things in our lives to grow us, to grow us closer to Christ or to strengthen our faith. One thing we don't really enjoy that God uses is learning number three. One of the things God uses to grow us is problems. But what we have to understand is God's purpose for our life and us to grow spiritually, it's greater than any problem we're ever going to have to go through in our life. And we know that that verse that says, well, God brings good out of everything, but practically, what does that look like? And I think when we go through trying times, difficult times, problems in life, uh, the question we constantly ask is why? 
And I think a better question to ask instead of why is what. But we usually ask why. Why are you doing this, God? Why is this happening to me? Why is it me that has to go through this problem? And we, and we probably already know the why, right? We live in a sinful, evil world that doesn't always come out the way we want it to. So I think a lot of times I try to ask what. It's a hard question to ask. You know, what, God, do you want me to learn through this problem? What, God, are you trying to teach me through this difficulty? And the reason what is a better question than why is because every problem in life, it really has the potential to grow us, right? It has the potential to strengthen us. It has the potential to define us and further our faith journey. I talk to people all the time, and I'll talk to married couples who have been through terrible things in their marriage or people who have lost loved ones, lost a child or lost a parent or lost a grandparent or, you know, struggled, you know, financially, you know, lost their entire career. And what's amazing is these people come out of it on the other side because of their faith and because of how much they relied on the Lord and they're stronger because of it. Did they want to go through those things? Absolutely not. Did God use it to grow them closer to him and to strengthen their faith? Absolutely. So we got to look at those things in life. Is, is they're not always these terrible things. They are terrible things, but they also have the potential to grow us. You know, it's one thing to, to say that we're a Christian. You know, it's easy to tell people, yeah, I'm a Christian. I, I follow Jesus. Buddy, it's a whole different ballgame when you have to live it out, when you actually have to do the things that you know Christ calls you to do through those difficulties. You know, just something as simple as forgiveness. You know, it's, it's hard when you have to actually put that passage of Scripture, all those passages of Scripture into practice. I got to actually forgive this person. So God wants us to worship Him, make Him center of our life. He wants us to connect in the body. He wants us to grow in our faith. Here's the fourth thing. God wants us to contribute and give something back. He wants us to contribute to his kingdom, to further his kingdom, not just consume, right? There's too many consumers in the world today. We see it all around us. It's take, take, take. You know, what, what have you done for me? What can you do for me? But as God's children, once we start following Christ, we need to realize we have responsibility within God's kingdom to do certain things. He wants us to make the world a better place, to leave the world a better place, but this purpose is called serving. God wants us to serve. That's one of our purposes while we're here, to contribute, to give something back through serving other people. Jesus said, if you want to be great, learn to be a servant of everybody. He said, if you want to find your life, you got to lose it. Matthew 10, 39 Whoever finds their life will lose it, and whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. In other words, being about his kingdom. So how do we contribute along the way? How do we serve God, in other words? How do we give our life away as Jesus is talking about? And the way we serve God is by serving others, by serving the people that God has placed around us. 1 Peter 4.10, 
as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. So anytime we use, you know, what God's given us, our talent, our ability, our treasure, our knowledge, anything God's given us, anytime we use that, it's serving. And we'll help you in this series to discover, you know, what your, your ministry in life should be. We were made to give back, to contribute. And I think one day God's going to ask us when we get to heaven, hey, what'd you do with what I gave you? All those abilities, all that talent that you can do things that other people can't do, what did you do with that? Did you use it for yourself or did you use it for the benefit of others? And that's going to be one of the, the beauties or the outcome of this series is we'll, we'll discover that. But if God gave you one more day, not 15 years, but what if he gave you just one more day? And none of us are promised tomorrow, but what if he did? How would you use it? Would you use that day to do something for God? King David asked that question a lot. Psalm 116 verse 12, what can I offer the Lord for all he's done for me? What could I do today for God because of all he's done for me. And what we do and what we call that is our ministry. But the purpose is to serve others. Sometimes you can serve others with a, with a smile, with a kind word, a nice gesture. You don't have to, uh, you know, be a full-time person in a church or a, a nonprofit organization to serve in ministry. A lot of you, you have ministries. You know, when you serve coffee or open the door, you're serving others. When you work with our kids, you're serving others. When you're parking cars or working the lights or making sure the slides are right on the screens, you're serving others. It doesn't matter where, whether it's here or somewhere else, we have to be about serving God and giving something back along the way. Again, the whole purpose being to further God's kingdom. Maybe you've never done that. Don't, don't fret it and say, well, I'm, I'm not doing it. We'll help you figure that out as we go through this. But we just need to know one of God's purposes for us is to contribute, to serve, to give something back along the way, to make a difference while we're here. And all these things we've talked about, connecting and growing and serving and, and worshiping God, putting Him as the center of our life, they should all point to this next thing. And it's the last purpose I'm going to cover today. And again, each week we'll go back and, and tear these things apart. But learning number five is this, God wants us to tell others about Him. He wants us to communicate Jesus' love to other people. And all these other things can point to that. The Bible calls this sharing the good news. The purpose is, is, can simply be share. He wants us to share along the way. See, once we understand and figure out just how much that God loves us, he wants us to pass that on to others. He wants us to love somebody in return. I mean, anything else in life, we find out something good, we share it with people, don't we? Find a good restaurant, you tell people about it. Find a good sale, you tell people about it. You know, you find a good show on, you know, Netflix or Hulu or something, you tell people about it. He just wants us to tell others about his son. And a lot of times we're sharing Christ and we don't even realize it. 
You know, I kind of grew up in that environment. That, you know, if you didn't share the, the Romans road to salvation with somebody, then you weren't sharing the love of Christ. And we know that's not true. Just our actions in life, our words, the things we say to people and do for other people, that can share the love of Christ with them. Now, a lot of you are sharing the love of Christ and you don't even know it. A lot of you bring people to church. That's sharing the love of Christ. That's a way of telling others about how much Christ loves them, right? That's why we created this place. You know, when we started this church, that was the goal, to create a place, an environment where people could come in here, no matter where they were at in life, no matter where they were at in the faith journey, no matter how bad they were, how good they were, what they had done, what they hadn't done, they could come in here without fear of judgment and come in here without fear of ridicule or fear of hypocrisy. And they could simply listen to how Jesus could change their life. We're doing that. When you bring people here, that's what you're doing. You're helping them to get closer to Jesus or wherever it is. I know some of you go to church somewhere else. That's okay. It's a way of sharing the message and the love of Christ. The whole goal is that they would come into a relationship with Jesus because of the little bit of love that we showed them along the way. 2 Corinthians 5.18 says, and all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. I love that, reconciling people to him. That's a, that's a tall order. But how do we do that? What does that mean? We simply share the love of Christ with others. We just share the love of Christ with other people. So let me encourage you. Invite a friend sometime. Bring somebody with you next week. People need to know why they're here. They need to know why God created them. They have to discover, just like we have to discover, what, what's the meaning of all this? What's my purpose? Listen, often we're not going to find that out at work. We're not going to find out our purpose from God at school or pursuing, you know, our lives and, and raising kids. God's got to be the one that answers that question. But we can sure help along the way by sharing the love of Christ and essentially sharing the good news about Jesus. I think the greatest thing we can do for a person is help them discover God's purposes for their life and why they're here. Why? Because that's going to point them to Christ. They're going to eventually meet Jesus, and they're going to have to make a decision about Jesus. So I want you to pray this week. And I want you just to ask God, hey, God, who is it in my life that I need to invest in? Who is the person I need to be pouring into and sharing the love of Christ? Maybe it's a kid. Maybe it's a parent, a grandparent, a friend, a coworker. But he'll show you. Who do you want me to invest in? And then I want to kind of finish where we started. And as we go into the day and, and into our week, I want you to think about Hezekiah. And I want you to think, what would you do? if God gave you 15 more years? Would you center 
that time around him. doesn't mean you don't have your life going on at the same time, but he's the center of everything. What would you do with that 15 years? Let's pray together. God, thank you so much, first of all, for the people that are here today, Lord, uh, people that are online, just what you're doing in and through each and every one of us. God, thank you for making us. You created us to love us. Help us to understand the most important thing we can do is love you back and to share that love with others. God, we admit, hey, there's, there's been a lot of our life we haven't centered our life around you. We haven't been about the purposes for which you created us. But God, now we know that you want us to have you first place in our life. You want us to connect with others. You want us to grow in our faith, and you want us to to contribute, to serve others along the way. Whether in large ways or small ways, you'll open those doors of opportunity for us. And God, you always want us sharing the good news. Lord, we thank you for the good news. Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth, for paying the penalty for our sin standing in our place so that we could be made right with you and with God. As we're praying, maybe you've never opened your heart to Jesus. Why don't you do that today? Knowing how much he loves you and desires a relationship with you. Lord, we love you and we praise you. Amen. If you are here today or online, you're worshiping through generosity, you can do that uh, through our church center app or through our website or the black boxes in the back. Uh, Remember, baptism and child dedication is April the 7th. You can sign up for that on the top three, or you can just stop by the hub and say, hey, you know what? I'm ready to get baptized. Scott's not going to leave me under the water three days. I'm in, all right? Uh, Best, second best decision you'll ever make. I hope you have a terrific day, uh, a terrific week. God bless you. Thanks for being here.